Welcome back, everybody. I'm Robbie, I'm and this Chuck. is... I'm Chuck Olaf. And today, we have with us a very special guest at Pursuit of Purpose. And if you don't mind, I'd like you to introduce yourself. Um, I'm Igor Gusakov. I'm Assistant Superintendent at Lumberton ISD. Very good. So, you're Assistant Superintendent. What does that mean? I assist the superintendent with all the uh, daily dealings and the district uh, affairs, you know. For the most part, my responsibility is um, teaching and learning. Uh, I'm over instruction and instructional programs and stuff like that. However, after I was hired, you know, in a smaller district, um, an administrator normally at any level, campus level or district level, they wear multiple hats. So um, to the plate of my responsibilities uh, uh, over time, I also added um, student services, so which is, uh, you know, uh, different investigations, parent of student complaints, stuff like that. Um, uh, safety and security is a huge part of uh, what I do and um, some smaller other projects, other duties as assigned. So, so you said you added, was it added to you? So it sounds like you're a hard worker. Uh, I, I have a hard time saying no. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. And I always look to grow and to improve and to learn new things. And when the new opportunity presents itself, I always, um, I always say yes, um, because and that's, that's part of my nature. Well, I've heard you called this this affectionate name, Dr. G. Yes. Right? So you have a doctorate. That's correct. In what? Uh, educational leadership from Stephen F. Austin State University. Very good. Jackson Jacks. Very good. Jackson All right. Jacks. All right. So is that always what you've wanted to do is, is be in this type of a career? Um. I don't know if that's what I've always wanted to do. Um, growing up, I uh, wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be um, to work in the stables with horses. I, I went through different stages um, of life. But uh, back in Ukraine, where I come from, uh, originally from I come from Ukraine, so um, uh, I got fascinated with English and uh, particularly with American culture early on in elementary school. So in some shape or form, I always knew that I wanted to, you know, to have uh, my profession or my future linked with uh, foreign affairs with English. And I definitely somehow wanted to uh, come to the United States, like I said, probably third, fourth grade, uh, you know, I had that uh, set in my mind. So, um, but as I progressed through school and through um, uh, uh, like grade school, and then, um, you know, I got my, bachelor, my bachelor's degree in translation and interpretation, it kind of naturally, my track got on education because I started um, uh, tutoring and to, to make some extra money, you know, and I figured out I was good at it. Uh, so, uh, you know, then I joined, I went and I um, uh, worked for a private school uh, as, a, as a teacher, an ESL teacher taught English in Ukraine. And then um, after that, I was like, well, I could be in charge of all of this. So I started my own school. Uh, and that's how, um, 
you know, I ended up like getting a lot of, started getting a lot of leadership experience that helped me later in, um, in my life when I came here to the United States. Very good. I, I wanted to bring one little thing up. Teachers and other types of professions, they have this tendency to use a lot of acronyms and abbreviations and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you said you taught English ESL. Now, I know what that means, but what does that mean, ESL? ESL uh, stands for English as a Second Language. Yes. Uh, so uh, it's life in Europe and Eastern Europe is very different as far as attitude to languages. Uh, an average person, uh, an educated person, speaks multiple languages. Um, so uh, when you go to grade school, the expectation is now, like for example in Ukraine, you start learning English which is your second language in first grade. Wow. If you go to private school, in first grade, you'll probably uh, start uh, learning English, French, Spanish, and, and German. Wow. So, um, some, depending on where you are, so by, by the time you graduate from uh, grade school, like you have at least two languages that you have been heavily exposed to, English and English for sure, and then some other language, uh, very likely. Yeah. Um, of those so, that you mentioned, right. one of those. So for the, but for the most part, that's the choice that parents make for, uh, for their kids, and, and that's, that's just the trend. Right. Uh, and you don't, don't necessarily get it as part of the grade school curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of private language schools, and that's what I did. So okay. normally it would be after the school hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would you know have groups. You have individual classes from the little ones who can barely speak Ukrainian to adults. I had several adult classes that um, I taught English and I taught Spanish to them. So um, it was was a a great experience. Mm. And those languages, uh, they seem to be chosen per the continent. You know, pretty much places you go in and around uh, the the continent of, of Europe, you could, right. There's going to be English, there's going to be French, there's going to be German, right. and of course the native tongue. And so uh, and so a lot of this would be, what I think I heard you say, would be after school programs. That's so right. they would go to their, their expected school day, and then a lot of people would come, I guess, a number of days a week mm-hmm. uh, and, and sign up for your program. That's correct. And, and yeah. you said you did it as a business, you started uh-huh. the school. So, yeah, uh, we, we had, from depending on, you know, when we started, we started, it was just me and my partner, just two of us, but by the time... In five years, we grew. We had about uh, probably ten teachers, uh, about over over hundred kids, um, you know, kids and adults. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And part of part part of our school, uh, we organized baseball camps every summer because the summer is the downtime and no one wants to learn English. So to trick them in uh, <laughs> into learning English, we uh, we we would invite Peace Corps volunteers. Um, uh, uh, to my hometown, Melnitsky, and um, we would have a, a week long camp, um, and you know the kids would have time of their lives just speaking to real Americans, um, and you know just just intercultural exchange. And the uh, the Peace Corps volunteers who live in Ukraine, they would you know enjoy just hanging out with each other, of course, because they normally are stationed with a small village teaching English. So getting together and just having a uh, you know having a blast teaching their favorite sport to Ukrainian youth and you know it was it was one of the best times yeah. So you dangled the bait 
and you drew them in with baseball. It wasn't very hard, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that is amazing. You were uh, entre- entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. ambitious uh, yes. at that point. You you had a head on you for 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 growth and business. That's correct. So, um, you know, I never abandoned my dream to come to America uh, and. To, to be able to do, do that, I knew that I needed to have more than average income. Uh, so going into school and teaching was not something that w- I knew it would propel me to uh, come to the United States. So, um, you know, I knew that I needed to kind of push myself and I didn't see a clear path to how I'm going to do it. But I knew that uh, I was able, I, I had to do something that within my reach at that time. You know, when you enter, uh, and it's with any goal or dream, you know, you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there when you enter in GPS, the route, yes. you just, it t- tells you to turn left. Well, you don't see the whole route. You just trust to turn left because that's, that's the next best thing that you can do. The first and then, step. And then every turn and every exit and, you know, every ramp takes you closer to your goal and uh, eventually you're there. So uh, with this you know, with with my business, with um, with the baseball camps, and like you know, I just in the back of my mind, I was like, well, if if I ever were to, you know, achieve my dream of coming to the United States, um, you know, these these things would would make it more possible versus, you know, just sitting back and thinking, well, maybe one day having this big dream and without doing anything to um, achieve it. So that's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, you you alluded to this about your dreams when you were a child and talking about you wanted to be an astronaut at one point and, yeah. and different things. If you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your childhood in the Ukraine. First of all, do you have any siblings? Yes, um, I have a sister. Um, she is uh, she, our younger sister. She just had twins, so she, she is very busy. Um, and my Parents are still living, uh, um, you know, doing well, uh, considering the situation with, uh, you know, with the, the war of Russia against Ukraine. Yeah. That's uh, Ukraine is now um, uh, experiencing. But uh, other than that, you know, they are in, in relatively good shape and they're safe. Yeah. Currently, everybody's safe. That's they're good. safe. So, um, but uh, you know, I was born technically in the Soviet Union. Oh. Uh, so, okay. Um, so I remember growing up and going through first grade or second grade was when the Soviet Union collapsed. So it was very interesting to see the transition of yeah. a not yet even a, a teenager, but I could see, you know, I remember uh, the what I would consider now propaganda, but it was natural. Like, you know, you, you just you would. Uh, be excited about uh, the accomplishments the Soviet Union has brought to the earth, and uh, you know that we are the most powerful nation, and and all those things. Um, and then all of a sudden, one day, you know, it's, uh, they say, "Well, you know, we are not, we don't live in Soviet Union anymore. We live in Ukraine," um, and which Ukraine was, you know, Ukrainian Soviet Republic was part of, uh, of uh, Soviet Union, but still, it was just different. Um, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, when a country like that collapses, I remember 
uh, the craziest thing that like that sticks with you as a child is inflation. We know a lot about inflation oh, yeah. now, mm -hmm. but then we're thinking eight percent is crazy, right? Because we used to have two percent every right. year, but now it's eight. Well, I'll tell you, how about a thousand percent inflation? Wow! So I remember, like, it stuck with me. We, you know, we would go to the store and to buy like a loaf of bread and milk. It would cost like twelve million of our money. Wow! So we literally, every person was a millionaire. Wow! <laughs> uh, and you know, <laughs> but yeah, it didn't mean but anything. That didn't mean anything. Right? It's like you should have seen those little. Uh, uh, money banknotes with like all the zeros one and then all the zeros <laughs> but like how many is that let me count those off um, so that you know and it was crazy and then you tried to you didn't stick on to cash once you get paid you try to get something you get some kind of food or clothes because you know a week later it will be you know it will be nothing or yeah. a month later mm. you know so you, you didn't really save or you would buy dollars uh, or you know a more stable know, currency of some something kind. that uh, yeah so hmm. yeah that's that wild so you say by dollars uh, you would exchange for us uh -huh. okay us dollars hmm. yeah. okay and I guess like you said that you knew that was a much more stable economy because right. I guess there was a lot of unpredictability well and in the Soviet Union they couldn't buy dollars like right. just a, a regular right. person couldn't you have to get governmental improvement or something uh, approval but um, uh, but and then the Soviet Union collapsed. It was free for all, um, you know, and it was it was wild times. But you know, like I said, I was a I was a, not not even a teenager. But some some things just stuck with me. It was just those zeros and those <laughs> and those banknotes. So. Well, not only that, that's kind of scary. You know, mm -hmm. like the the feeling of scarcity. It, it would probably be very comparable to our depression. You know, from the 30s. Well, and well, another thing that kind of sticks, is, it, it will probably stick with me forever, is like to, um, you know, well, when my, my parents wanted to buy, to go to the store and buy something, just an essential item. I'm not yeah. talking about some, some luxury, essential like food. Uh, we would, uh, the lines were super long, like you know, same depression time, like yes. super long lines. So, and I was, like I said, probably nine or 10. So my mom, would go to the store and it was a line of 300 people in front of me so she would tell me hey you you you're behind this this person right here and she would go home for three hours oh and do her gosh. business and then come back and find me and i will be you know you know in the line so getting inching closer and closer and closer so she would she would use me as a bookmark and and in, in, in the line of people to get something and while she goes back home and took care of my sister and some other house chores and so at nine or ten years old oh yeah there you were in a collapsing nation mm -hmm. being left alone to stand in line it, it was it was normal it was nothing like uh, you know child abuse anything no i don't, I don't mean it like that but business. yeah there you were responsible my, my, my for friends that. were there too they did the same thing <laughs> <laughs> so essentially it was 300 kids in a line yeah and all the parents had gone yeah. <laughs> bookmarking their place that's great oh that yes yeah. for sure uh that, that so uh, your parents, uh, what, uh, what was their profession How, and, and what my, influenced my that? My mom, uh, my dad did, he was an entrepreneur and I think that's one of the things that uh, I took over from him, but his passion, he did on and off and then he, and you know, in the past 20 years, he's been a photographer. Oh. Um, and my mom, uh, was a, a kindergarten teacher until she, uh, when we were probably, um, 
early elementary she stayed home and she would take care of us and then and then she had several other careers that she did after we you know didn't need you know home uh, care <laughs> anymore so mm -hmm. yeah wow so you're you're carrying on both legacies mm -hmm. your dad and your mom your mom was an educator yes. and your dad was an entrepreneur so throughout your life, you have carried both of those two legacies right. with you. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't think about it like that way, but I guess so. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's it's kind of poetic. So, how did they feel? When did you announce your dream to come to America? When did you announce that? Oh, when I was like in third and fourth grade, uh, I remember I was watching a show on TV. It was I think it's like Miss World or something. It was in New York. So all this, you know flashy cars and beautiful people and all of that. And I, you know, I asked my mom, like, where is, where is that at? And she's she, like, in America. I was like, hey, great. So I put it, pulled out an atlas and I looked and she, I was like, is it North America or South America? She's like, <laughs> New York? I think it's the North America. Like, okay. <laughs> so, so I was like, I, like, I want to get there. She's like, okay, great. But again, at that time, like my parents' income was, she would, they would have, have, have had to save like for two years without spending a penny to buy a plane ticket. So when I said, wow. you know, I have a dream of coming to America, it was like, you know, it was actually a, kind of a joke in the family in, in France when, because, because I never gave up. I, I went around announcing to everyone that I was going, uh, you know, and, you know, they were like, you went around telling everybody your dream uh, yeah. and they laughed about it because they thought it was impossible based yes. on the current situation. Yes. I it, love it. It wasn't just, and I'll tell you, like, we were not like, we. I don't remember a time when I was hungry. So my parents right. would always take care of us. And we were, we were, we were not poor. We were moneyless. It's different. Than no, I, very different. Than, than poor. And, and, you know, we struggled. Uh, but uh, like I said, you know, I've always felt safe. I've always, I was always fed. And, uh, you know, I mean, my parents, my parents did an amazing job, I think, with me and my sister. <laughs> That's that's an amazing story. So if you were getting so many of those, we'll just call them no's from the people in your community and, and whatever, uh, who gave you the yes? Is there a particular person or persons that 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 were your? Nobody gave me a yes. Okay, ever. so so that so that was in you. Yeah, uh, that 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 was just a yes that you kept giving yourself that this is going right. to happen. So like I said, you know, you always try to do the next best thing to get you closer what's within your um, area of like control circle mm -hmm. of control yeah you've know, heard about circle of concern circle of control um so that you know what's in your circle of control when you when you have this dream well and that's now you focus on that you know you're not focused on what you cannot control i couldn't focus on you know getting the airplane ticket but i could focus on learning english so like early on and and probably middle school, I saw an ad in, uh, in a newspaper and it was a, a correspondence course uh, for English. It wasn't just English, it was multiple, multiple languages. You can learn sewing, you can learn like whatever. It was a, a lot of different areas that you can choose. And of course you could do English. So uh, so I asked my mom whether or not like we can we can order that so I could I could learn additional English to in addition to what we had in school. And of course, it was an additional financial strain for my parents, but you know, them seeing my passion and I didn't ask for much to start with uh, overall. So I finally, finally, she was like, okay, yes, let, let's, let's try it out. And she, of course, she, she probably thought that, you know, 
I'll I'll just get over the face, but I didn't. So I remember the excitement of getting that first packet. It was like a blue little magazine with, with new vocabulary words and then a little cassette a tape that came in uh, and a little uh, uh, see-through red um, bookmark that you, you can, if you overexpose on some of the on the transcription, you can kind of check yourself whether or not you you, you pronounce those words correctly. So, and that was my like that once a month that package that would come in and got me so excited and I would just close the door in my room and I would just just go to town listening to those sentences and words and, and studying those, studying those little magazines and and also once every quarter they would send a little uh, pamphlet about life in America like American universities or like, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't remember the topics, uh, but, um, but I remember like those were like once a quarter magazine of four pages, the little pamphlet just, just made my day, made my month. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, like I said, that was my circle of control. This is what I could control. And this is, you know, and I was consistent with it. And I did it for years mm-hmm. until like, I was like, okay, that's too easy for me. Um, you know, so. That is amazing. So at that early age, this to you was a key that would help you unlock the door to your goals, your big goal. It was, right. it was like the first key, and you saw that that early. I, I guess I guess you can say that. Yes, that's that's amazing. That is I see awesome. um, that probably most of us here follow folks of various successes, whether it's their profession. Uh, of course, in America, you know, sports is a huge thing. And so you see these guys that are playing at those, we'll call them world championship levels. Mm-hmm. And they'll say similar things. They'll say, well, we just did all the things that we, we knew would get us closer to that. They can't say we're going to wake up one day and go, we're World Series champ. That's not how it works. Right. It's all those little things. And, and unbeknownst, maybe you were like, I, I, right now I know it's an interest. Right. And now you look back and you see how it's string, one thing string to the, to the other right. to the other, uh, which I think makes a beautiful story for our audience because that's basically how it happens. We interview a lot of folks um, in our personal life. By the time they make it where you are, they pretty much have already have it figured out, but they want to wake up there. I'm like, that's not how it works. And so I appreciate your telling our audience a story to right. say, you know, you may it, 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 I guess in your mind, I mean, you were aware of what was going on, but didn't realize I was in a little bit of a deficit. I just started doing what seemed like, you right. know, a fascinating, interesting, fulfilling thing to do. And right. uh, and obviously it paid tremendous dividends. You became devoted to the pursuit. Right. Yes. And then that, that's what helped me. So my level, by the time I graduated high school, my level English of my level of English was Pretty high. Well, yeah. you can't tell from what, how I uh, structured my sentence a minute ago. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so I was able to, uh, uh, you know, pass uh, the entrance examinations to uh, our local university that was in hometown, literally 10-minute walk from our house. And so, you know, that was my next step. So, like, I know that if I become a part of the university, you know, life, you know, universities have connections yeah so that was my next step so you know having this background knowledge and me being able to um to have this you know expertise in in the foreign language helped me you know go go to the university and again I, uh, there was a 
in the Ukrainian system, there are a certain number of spots that are a scholarship. Oh. So it's like academic scholarship. So I was, um, my, my score was high enough that I was able to get the academic scholarship. So that burden, the financial burden on my parents wasn't there. Good. Like at that time, my parents w would not be able to afford it anyway. So, so I was, you know, no pressure, but you know, you can go to college if you, if you get a full, full ride. Uh, I didn't play football. Uh, I played a little bit of basketball in college, but yeah. But uh, anyway, so but my my focus was academics, and uh, I was excited about um, um, you know being able to to go to college for free. And actually, we had also got stipends. So every month it was it was minuscule, but to me it was huge. Like I'm going to college and I'm getting paid. Like it was it, I was living my best life. Um, but uh, but then just to like I know where you were heading about. You were probably like, so who who said yes? Like, what was your breakthrough? So, uh, I guess the breakthrough, like, um, for me was when I, uh, on my first year, the in uh, the middle of my first year in college, uh, there was uh, there was a person that came from the U.S. Embassy or whatever that was. It wasn't U.S. Embassy, but it was an organization. Um, uh, that uh, promoted uh, this uh, uh, exchange program that's called um, uh, um, the organization is IREX International Research and Exchanges Board. Oh, okay. Um, and they so they they just dropped off some applications and are like, yeah, you can you can go uh, to America if you're selected. You can go to America and study for free for a year. I was like, well, that sounds like this has something I might be interested in. So. Uh, uh, it was an application and you had to write some a couple of essays uh, you know I worked very hard for a couple of weeks just submit, submitted did. that essay yeah. um, and um, I got a letter in the mail I didn't get selected oh it was, no it wasn't good enough even like but there are s several levels so I didn't even make first level oh Man. no like just straight straight up no you know I'm like okay fine <laughs> so and it was like uh, and I knew some kids who who went on this program and came back. So I was like, like, what did you put on your, like, how did you do it? So they they, they gave me some tips, like, hey, you know, what's your leadership experience? They're looking looking for leaders, so that's why I was like, okay, I probably need to, uh, you know, get some work. Uh, Step it uh, up a little bit. Yeah, get some work done on that. So and I did. I you know, um, I started teaching. And it's tutoring, and then I went to this uh, private school that uh, helped me just develop some of the leadership um, skills. And so next year, because it's annual annual uh -huh. scholarship, so next year turns around. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. So um, I fill out the application and I wait very uh, patiently, and uh, I get a letter in the mail, and I didn't get selected. Oh no! <laughs> Twice. Oh man! And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I. You know, I kind of did what, what the guy that just came back said I, I should do, and I still, still didn't do it. Like, okay, fine, you know. But uh, so I, I just, you know, kept kept doing what I was doing. You know, kept improving, kept working. It's just, you know, and it's not like you know, I wasn't obsessed. I mean, I was living my life. I had a ton of friends. I was just, you know, you know, I was I was a happy, uh, you know, nineteen, twenty, twenty year old. And then uh, the third year comes around and. Um, you know, I fill out, fill it out again. I was like, okay, well, you know, it's not gonna hurt me. Right. All I'm gonna lose the worst is worst thing they can say is no. So, yeah. uh, so, I, so I get this letter in the mail, and um, uh, they say, well, you you made the first round. 
Hey, so I was like, all right. Okay, well, I, 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 you know, I get that. So that's great. So, uh, so the second round was I had to take, uh, I had to have an interview uh, with uh, with representatives from American University. They would fly fly to Kiev, and there was a hundreds of kids from all over Ukraine mm -hmm. interviewing. And I was like, man, and they were like, they were having their private tutors and, you know, going to specialized language school. I was like, I'm mean, just here with my red bookmark. And <laughs> kind of intimidating, <laughs> huh? It was very intimidating for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I, so I, uh, you know, I, I went through the interview. I didn't think I, I did a good job, but you know, whatever. And then, and then I'm like, and they, so they flew us, uh, well, I took a train to Kiev, so, uh, you know, we spent the night at the hotel, I did my interviews, and then I had to pass TOEFL. TOEFL is an is a exam that, I don't know if you it's still there, but you, any international student has to take that this exam in order to be able to come even on an exchange program to the mm -hmm. U.S. Mm -hmm. So it's a rigorous knowledge, uh, English knowledge test. And that uh, that tests your ability to be able to be successful if you do come on an exchange program. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, so you know, I took the exam and uh, you know, so there was just was waiting time. So uh, uh, the the majority of of the decision is normally based on the on the interview. Uh, TOEFL is just you know whether or not. You have the English, but but the selection is based. Uh, like I said, it was thousands of applications that that they went went through. Um, so I got, get this letter in the mail uh, that I wasn't uh, I was not selected oh. after the second round. <laughs> I was like, that's great, but uh, but then uh, I started reading the letter more attentively, and it said, well, you have been put on on the um, alternate list. I was oh, like, okay. so there's still hope. Uh, so I was like, uh, I told my parents, I'm like, hey, I'm on the alternate list. And then uh, uh, all of a sudden, like, we didn't have a house phone um, at, our, at our house. Uh, so so when we needed, you know, it was before cell phones too. So, um, so when we needed a, a phone, uh, like someone to phone us, we would give us our neighbor's number. And the neighbor would like, hey, <laughs> hey, you have a phone call. So I can hear a neighbor yelling. Uh, That's great. And so, like, hey, you know, there was a phone call. And normally it was for my mom, but but she's yelling like, it's for you. And I'm like, for me? For what? So I pick up the phone and they're like, hey, you know, we have someone back out. Are you interested in going? I was like, do you need to talk to your parents? I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> so, uh, so I, you know, I got selected, and uh, you know, the rest is history. And I, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, got got a packet of you know the information about where I was going, um, and I got a little bit disappointed uh, because uh, I was going to Texas in in the town that I couldn't pronounce. Oh no! Well. It was Nacogdoches. <laughs> well, yeah, you did get uh, one so of the God. hardest towns in Texas to not, so, not spell the did, way it's pronounced. And nobody uh, in Kiev in the program knew how to pronounce oh, it. So no. It's not until I came to yeah. orientation in Washington D.C. Yes. I had my my yes. mentor or my my counselor uh, that would you know we had a, a about a week long a three day long I don't remember how long orientation in D.C. that kind of prepped us like what to expect in life in America before they shipped us um, uh, all over the, the nation. So uh, and then I was like, okay, 
This is my last question. How do you pronounce the name of the town I'm going to? <laughs> so that was not that was Nacogdoches, and I'm you know I couldn't be happier with uh, with you know what I ended up it's, being. So. It would all do uh, respect to our now Ukrainian friends. We probably can't pronounce most of the towns in your country either. So yeah, yeah probably, probably not. most of them. Yeah, <laughs> right, so. only the ones we know from the news. Right. right. It would have been nice if they would have sent you to like. Marshall or something that would have been much more phonetically. Well, well I tell you, some of my friends got got sent to Hawaii. Uh, oh, that's know, way worse. You know, and and it's some some uh, UCLA and also yes. I didn't know anything about SFA or I didn't know anything about Nacogdoches. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I think that was I got the best and uh, the best deal uh, um, that I could could have gotten uh, because I met great people. Um, you know, I, it it was it was. Uh, amazing experience uh, on, the, on the academic front so uh, having had some college what level did you come in to SFA as a freshman or with some advance and, um, and obviously you didn't stop to you got your PhD but right so I um, I took several entry-level uh, courses but to me um, it was it was the, it was all about experience so it was not about academics or getting credits and none of that it was about intercultural experience the whole program was about. So I did take, I think the third level of English, it was English three or whatever mm -hmm. they put in was. Um, uh, I had those classes, but I also took like jogging. Uh, you know, I was like, <laughs> I told all my friends back in Ukraine, like, you took what? Is <laughs> this jogging for great? I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's great. I, I didn't even know that was a course. Uh, it was. It was, uh, it was a course. Sure. So I want to clarify for our audience, just to be make sure that no one's out searching for you after this video is published. So you weren't disappointed that you were coming to Texas. You were only disappointed that you couldn't pronounce the town they brought you to. No, I was disappointed in Texas. <gasps> oh, you I'll tell you why. That. Because I didn't I didn't know much about Texas. I just imagined it was just a bunch of cowboys and uh, cacti and, oh, yes. in a desert. But I was, like I said, I was amazed at you know, okay. East Texas. It was just, the, you know, one of the most beautiful parts of the country, I think. And like I said, it was just, it was a complete uh, turn, 180 per, uh, degrees, uh, you know, turnaround from what I thought, you know, we were, I was going to, to mm -hmm. uh, like what I experienced. Um, and like I said, the nicest people uh, and I met, um, uh, the international programs director was Dr. Leon Holman. And his wife Patsy Holman, um, he's now deceased, but he became he and her became my like my I call them my American parents. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know we you know the, uh, his their kids consider me as their brother or you know adopted brother, uh, and their grandkids and uh, one of her when she was right now she's like twenty five when she was five she called me a fake brother, um, <laughs> so it was like I said I I just I didn't didn't find academics that I didn't find success that people would consider like money-wise it was just it was a jackpot in, in terms of experiences and the people that i met and uh the life lessons that i learned it was uh, you know it, it just cannot be measured by any mm. uh, means of measurement that there are so you had all this build up for about 20 years these desires to come here Mm -hmm. Your heart was on fire for it. Finally, you get here. Yeah. You begin the acclimation process. You meet your new American family, all that kind of fun stuff. Is it what you hoped it would be? So 
so remember, this was just a one-year exchange program. So mm-hmm. I had after nine months, I had to go back. So yeah, I understand. Back in May, I I had to go back. So thinking back to those days, I think it was a little bit um, uh, unnatural environment. Okay. Because I lived on campus, mm. and I uh, yeah. interacted with certain groups, being in certain circles. I did have a chance to travel, you know, I traveled to New York and Philadelphia and and other places and Leon and Patsy took me places, you know, spent time with their family during holidays and some of my friends took me hunting, which is a whole new uh, other story about how <laughs> I went hunting during Thanksgiving uh, with, with some friends and uh, yeah, um, so, <laughs> so I, I had a lot of experiences, but uh and so, and I went back. So I had one image, that a set of experiences uh, from that. But but then I went back, and that's when I started my business. That's when I did the baseball camps and all of that. So, uh, so I was supercharged by my American experience and some of the things that I have seen and just the potential that uh, I uncovered. While being here, by the way, in one year, I learned Spanish. Uh, so I, so. <laughs> Um, I took Spanish one in the first semester, but uh, you know, my my professor uh, uh, Gina, uh, hi Gina, uh, <laughs> uh, she's very active on Facebook. So I'm oh, sure good. she will uh, she will view this. Uh, she uh, she's an amazing educator, an amazing woman. So uh, she she just motivated me. So I took um, Spanish one the first semester, and then uh, I studied up a little bit over over Thanksgiving and Christmas and I um, tested out so I was clear to take Spanish 4 my second semester but uh, they told me Spanish 4 is a lot of reading and I didn't have time for that so I took Spanish 3 <laughs> instead because it, it would be just more of a class time but so yeah so I, I utilized that, uh, that knowledge right away I went back to Ukraine I started teaching English and Spanish in my in my my own school, so that was just an, an additional cultural experience that uh, and educational experience that just boosted my um, you know my life and and the quality of uh, you know what I was able to do and, and satisfaction of what I was doing. So currently, how many languages do you speak with pretty good confidence? Four. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I grew up speaking Russian and Ukrainian. Okay. So uh, those are my native languages, and then Spanish and English. So I grew up speaking two languages, that, you know, to start with. No big deal, you know, just two. Then I learned two more just for kicks. Just for kicks. Know, just why That's not? right. Why not? Well, and I did tag the, you know, because I know my German teacher also watching. So I took German for four years in Ukraine. Oh, but, wow. Okay. But, but I haven't had a chance to, like, to ever use it. it. So, I, yeah. you know, I will, I will understand probably most of it. But, so but, we, he sprinkled in an extra fifth one in there. Just, there you, you know, just, yeah. you gotta have sprinkles. Like a, like a hobby, but like I said, it's <laughs> it's not something. It's like for Texas to own a gun, like for a European person to to own to have several languages down their belt. You know? Okay, that's an interesting comparison, isn't it? Though I like yes. it. I do too. I do too. <laughs> well, speaking of guns, I'm going to ask this question. So, can, what's it like to have a gun in the Ukraine? Well, unless you're law enforcement, you can't. Okay. okay. Completely prohibited. Yes. Okay. okay. I was just curious. It came to my well, mind. Well, you, you you can have a a, a a rifle as a hunter. You have a hunter's license, but there's a specific kind of rifle. Got to go through a lot yeah. of process for you, it. You can't you can't own a pistol or 
Mm. Uh, anything like that. Yeah. So I have a question. We're digressing slightly, but I think our audience will enjoy this. Okay. What was it like the first time you got to shoot a gun? Well, funny you should ask. So when I was in middle school, I uh, uh, I did competitive shooting. Oh, shooting. wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so you did uh, get to experience it over there. Yes. So I was and uh, uh, I was pretty successful. Uh, I, when I went to high school, I was I focused more on academics. So I last couple of years of high school, I, I dropped it. I didn't do it. But uh, but yeah, my middle school and part of my high school years, I was pretty successful uh, okay. pistol shooter. Okay. So was it was it shocking to you how many people here privately own their own firearms? It was shocking to me to um, see how easy it is to to get a um, a weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just go to academy and get it right with your tennis shoes. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I like that. You know, you got to have your shoes on. You yeah. know, you could wear Crocs too That's if you want. Right. You, know? you can get Crocs in <laughs> <and> the <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. Good, yeah, good fishing gear, and you're just <laughs> grab your gun on the way out. Right. Welcome yep. to America. That's great. I was just curious at the cultural. You know how how that affected you. You know what you thought about that in your perspective. I, I like, I like the culture and the gun culture. Here, you know, people are comfortable around weapons, and I believe that's. Uh, I always think if Ukrainians own guns, just like Texans or Americans own guns here, would that Russian invasion have happened? Mm. Um, so I mean, I, I'm very conflicted uh, thinking about it, but I know it's a controversial, controversial. I, I can topic appreciate and, your uh, point, though. I mean, you you live there, you know yeah. it, you've had the yeah. experience, and this is not a politically charged show so mm-hmm. don't anyone go right. crazy out there but i appreciate yeah. you sharing that right and, and i will say that uh having not only as a child studied different cultures you were getting your materials in there yeah. you got to actually live in, in in a subculture of america you know east texas type um it does give you an appreciation it seems to go back to your country and and say just so you know you know some of the privileges they have may make things different here and right. and maybe some vice versa but uh, uh that to me as an educator and now i'm talking to an educator uh opens the door for tons of information yeah. to influence young people uh to say uh that matter of fact that's what i was going to uh imply earlier uh have you had any opportunities to encourage the young people that you've been able to influence as an educator to say you know don't limit yourself it may be do some foreign ex- foreign uh, studies if you can uh no i had a, i sent a child to france for a summer and just a summer and she learned a ton you know um yeah so when i was in the classroom i taught spanish for five years in academics high school um uh, i we have had international students all the time and in particular i've had uh, some german students in my classroom they were learning spanish um you know in america learning spanish um, uh, so we would always, it would always prompt me to have the conversation. I would try to, you know, drag it out of them because they would, they would normally be super quiet, you know, in the back, you know, uh, average 110 points for the class because they would do all the assignments and do, you know, above and beyond. So they, they would be super quiet. So I made a point to uh, make a big deal out of the fact that they were there and that they were from a foreign country. They were foreign, they were learning a third language. And, and I say, you know, if you ever have a chance to go and experience a foreign exchange uh, type of uh, setting, you should. Um, 
and I don't know how many have taken advantage of it, but it's definitely something that uh, I would encourage everyone. And then even as an adult, you know, I went um, a couple of years, well, really it wasn't a couple of years, 10 years ago, um, I, uh, uh, I just treated myself to a, a month-long trip to Barcelona where I just... Uh, wow. Uh, uh, it was a language school, a uh, lingua school, language school, and uh, you know they they just opened up. They just celebrated their tenth anniversary, uh, and you know it, they just organized these uh, uh, summer courses, year long courses for international students. So there were students from all over the world, from Australia, from you know China, from uh, all over Europe. There were a lot of Dutch people uh, that you know I was roommates with, and we made great friends. So uh, you know it's just you know. When you when you go out there and you experience the world outside, you you understand your your place in this world and yes. you know, what you contribute to it, and you know what you can learn from others because your way is not the only way. Right. Yes. You gain perspective. Yes. That's amazing. So, what age did you wind up back here? So on a I, more permanent basis. I came in two thousand ten. Okay. Uh, I wanted to get my master's. I realized that you know if I don't do it now, I will never do it. And I was 27 at that uh, time, and I was like, okay, okay. I'm established enough. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've achieved the things that I wanted to achieve in Ukraine, and I, uh, and I wanted to advance my education. Again, I didn't know like legally, it's very hard to come to America. Illegally, you just join the crowd and cross the border. But, <laughs> right, right. It's a very good point. But, but if you want to do it right, it is very, very hard. Mm. Uh, you have to meet, meet all the criteria, and you, you know, like it, it's it's crazy hard. So uh, you know, and I don't want it. I will always want to, to to make it right. So so I came here to uh, to get my master's degree, and um, uh, and I did. And in one year, I obtained my master's. Um, and then I ran out of money, uh, like without job prospects and, and all of that. So um, there was some paperwork confusion too that I had to work through. But uh, but then um, I went to work at, at SFA uh, as a janitor. Hmm. Uh, so because um, like like I said, you know, uh, I'm not prideful, and you know, it, and I. I Made some friends actually, and that's. I don't see anything wrong with being a, a custodial oh, right. engineer. Right, and that's what yes. I'm saying. So, <laughs> when I say this, people are like, "What? You were, you own a business? You did all this, and then you you uh, you know vacuum floors?" I'm like, yeah, I actually enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was an amazing experience for me. I, I learned a lot of things. The the techniques that they use, like yeah. how they uh, 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 shampoo the carpets and. Uh, you know, set up the, the events, uh, you know, the, that was one of my most rewarding experiences uh, that I had, um, you know. Somehow I can see that playing into your role now as assistant superintendent. You basically manage a physical plant. So now you know how that operates. Yes. So if we're going to have an event, uh, you, you could easily see that, you know, from start to finish mm -hmm. and then tear down and, and recycle. And uh, I, it's amazing how some of these experiences end up playing out later on in life. Yes. And you seem to have a lot of those little nuggets in your story. And there's another one right there. You know, having worked on an academic campus that had fixed structures. Okay, well, we have to make it all happen, you know, inside right. of one, one unit. So how about that? Okay. So w were you able, so uh, was there any, as an employee of the school, was there money afforded to you to pay for graduate school, or that just basically came out? Well, of your no, salary? I didn't work at that time. I just, okay. I just sold everything I had. <laughs> um, I sold my car, 
uh, which I had bought like six months prior. But, uh, but I was like, okay, I, you know, I needed to eat. So, um, <laughs> whatever it takes. Uh, so, and, like I said, I came here and like my, my master's degree was in early childhood education. Okay. Um, and I did my student teaching in pre-K and second grade. And I loved it. And I was looking for a, a pre-K position, teaching position. And when I came, uh, well, I was in Akadosha when I was uh, graduating. So, um, but at that time, it was the craziest time in education. I don't know what happened, uh, but there were very few openings out there uh, for a teaching position, which I never experienced it after that. But it had to be the year when I was looking for a job. Because um, otherwise, if I didn't find the job, I, I, I would, like legally, I would have had to go back. To Ukraine, and you know, I was like, "Okay, I just want to, uh, you know, experience the things that I've learned." Uh, and, and it's just, you know, you know, I had I had the dream, right? Yeah. So, uh, and and then I get a call from, um, uh, the, uh, I had a couple of interviews and didn't get the pre-K positions that I wanted, and then literally like the uh, the day before I graduated with my early childhood education. Uh, um, Degree, I got a call from HR in Nacogdoches, and uh, I was like, well, would you be interested in teaching Spanish in high school? I was like, well, I'm not certified for teaching Spanish. Like, you can, you can get certified. I was like, I guess I could. Uh, so, um, so I was hired that afternoon, um, graduated the next day, and then I uh, started on Monday. Wow. Uh, so as a, as a high school teacher, and then, like, I, I was concerned um it, but it, and it, uh, absolutely out of my comfort zone we were early talking about you know t stepping outside your comfort zone to achieve the things that you want that was one of those things because i knew i would have spanish speakers in my class absolutely and i was like how is a russian-speaking ukrainian <laughs> going to teach spanish to mexican kids in texas <laughs> i love it man this is awesome um but you know, I was they they they, were, they needed a Spanish teacher. I needed a job, so it kind yeah. of worked out, and I got got certified. And, uh, I took the next test that was available. I, mm -hmm. You know, I passed the test. I got certified in Spanish, and uh, I ended up teaching Spanish there for five years until um, until we we got a new leader on the campus that saw something in, in me and uh, uh, promoted me to an assistant principal. Wow. What a story of yeah. reinvention. I mean, all yeah. the way through your life. Right. Something I want to touch on since you've, you've, you've used it as an example so many times, you've been told no a lot. Yes. A lot. But you've never let that be your end. And that is amazing. Mm -hmm. That is inspirational. And I appreciate that about you. you I mean, that spirit that, that you have about that inside you is something that will rub off on everybody you cross paths with. Right. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Well, it, we, we, when we have like this goal in life or a dream or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's, we're talking about, I'll just back, back up a little bit. And so we're talking about the, the, the name of your podcast, the pursuit of purpose. So I believe, um, that there are, uh, that every person has, a primary and secondary purpose uh, in life. So their primary purpose uh, is to do the best they can right now. Mm. So my primary primary purpose is to do a great job in, in this interview. 
on a, or a podcast. And then when I get home, my primary purpose is going to be a, to be a, a, you know, the best dad and husband I can be. Absolutely. And then tomorrow I go to work, I'll be the best, uh, the best administrator that I can be for those teachers and kids. So that's the primary purpose. And so you need to focus on it and do the best job you, you can, just just 110%. Um, but that would be boring, right? You just do what you're told to do at <laughs> this moment. And so that comes to your secondary purpose is when you, your goals and your dreams. And, you know, so, you know, if you, uh, so that's the fun purpose. So, you know, you all, you can always dream and, and have that dream in the background of your secondary purpose. But, you know, if you don't do, um, uh, my, my superintendent, Dr. Tiffin says, uh, you have to blossom where you plant it. Mm. So if you do the job, the good, a good job where you are at this time, in this moment, then uh, uh, then that secondary purpose will, will, will get closer. Um, so uh, and I and I got sidetracked, so I don't remember why why, why I had, had to back out. Uh, but okay. uh, but like I said, I don't think that you know saying no. Like if someone says no, it just it just should motivate you to to even be more fired up about uh, about getting there um, because otherwise, you know, what you know, it wouldn't be any fun. <laughs> right. Well, what I've seen, what I've heard you say is that every no has either increased your fire, as you say, to move in that direction or just allowed you to redirect in a more appropriate direction. Well, I, don't get me wrong. When you hear no, it's devastating. Like it's, it's sad and just disappointing. Yes. It's like, okay, I'm done with this, you know, but then, but then you wake up and like, no, I'm not, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know let it just try one more time. Like, you know, let's give it another chance. Let's look at it. And so, you know, you know, I don't want you know, anyone to think that like, yeah, just, he never gets disappointed. You know, no, it's, it's hard. It's soul crashing. It's uh, very challenging, but you know, at the end of the day, it's not about how many times you fall, but how many times you get up. That's mm -hmm. right. That's very much true. I love that. A lot of our guests, um, we that told similar stories how life has brought these no's. And I kind of look at it, we were visiting with one about work. We're, we're kind of this ball of energy, you know, this mental, emotional, spiritual energy. And energy uncontained is just going to keep spreading and spreading. So I had mentioned to one, I said, so the no's basically have started channeling your energy. And she said, yeah, you know, when people, when things, I had to shut a business down or I had to move forward, I had to change locations or deal with a life situation. It just kept refocusing the energy. And it sounds like your energy just kept finding a way. And it always will. Yes. And just like, you know, just like with, with this position I'm in, like I would, you know, I knew, you know, that in the end, like this is the position I wanted to be in. Uh, but, you know, I gave it a, you know, a long-term perspective because you know that would you know there are certain stages that uh, you have you have to go through as an administrator you know um, in, in in a school business you have to you know become a principal you become a director and then this and that so uh, you know my path of going through uh, you know coming to this position has been shortened because technically uh, I've never served as a as a building principle, uh, but again, but I'll tell you, like I've I've had a lot of no's there. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to a lot of principal interviews, and you know, and, and I heard a lot of no's. Uh, I had gone to a lot of assistant principal interviews, and I ha heard a lot of no's. And you know, it was it just takes, 
it just takes a lot of years and a lot of effort to be an overnight success. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, and, you know, it takes one person mm-hmm. who will believe in you and see something in you and then it will be just an instant connection and click. And, you know, it, you're you're that that person that is needed for 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 your leader or for your organization and and you know you'll get that well that is beautiful and i I would like to summarize what you said and and correct me if i'm wrong but what you said earlier this this amazing thing the way you put it is the purposes the dual purposes is that you live in the now and and dream about tomorrow right and keep moving right yes I, i love that you everything you did even serving as a custodian you did with your whole self. Right. You put all that you had into that. Oh, yeah. And that's what brought you here today. So in this journey, from what I can understand, based on that ring on your finger, <laughs> you picked up a partner. Yes. So how did that come together? Uh, again, through work. Um, my my wife, Margie, she, uh, she had a career before she came to education. Uh, uh, but you know, she decided that education is what she wanted to do. So she came in um, as a uh, as a teacher on the campus where you know I was uh, an assistant principal, and you know we just uh, yeah, we liked each other, and we we started talking, and uh, we were engaged four months later. <laughs> so wait, yes. she dated the boss? I, I technically was not her evaluator. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's technicality. <laughs> we got around. I understand. <laughs> No, I'm yeah. kidding about that. So how long have you and, and Margie been married? Uh, November 11 is going to be six years. Very good. See, I love the way you did that. Yes. We, we've worked with some other gentlemen in this same seat. <laughs> and when I ask them that question, I need to learn how to ask it better. Okay. It's my fault. I should have asked you, when did you get married? Because we can remember the date we got married. Yes. But when I ask, how long have you been married? Then you got to sit there and try to calculate <laughs> from the date forward, right? Yeah. But you did very well. Yes. Uh, very well. Uh, talented, talented guys, not good at math. They're like, oh, I should know. That's so yeah. that's when we had to revise the question. But you handled it like a champ. Uh, and yeah. y'all have children? Yes. We have uh, two, two balls of energy. Uh, we have Brian. Uh, he is uh, five, five years old. I uh, have Vera, who is two years old. Very good. Yes. So how do you like being a dad? Um, it's <laughs> the most rewarding and the most challenging things I've ever thing I've ever done. Yeah, I can second you on that. That's right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It gives our parents a whole new perspective, doesn't it? Yes. Looking back, I like didn't know I have all this patience in, in me that I, I have to uh, you know, exert. Uh, like, you know, but like I said, it's just it's very rewarding. Uh, it's very rewarding to be a to be a dad for sure. Well, you have this huge picture that you've just painted for us in our audience of this journey that you've been on in your life. And you're not an old guy by any stretch of the imagination. You're still a young man. So if you could look back at this journey, this big adventure that you've been on, mm-hmm. is there a favorite part of it? I don't think there is a favorite part of it. Uh, I think every phase uh, has contributed to the next phase and I can't imagine favoring any part and saying, well, you know, this was my best part and, and this was my least favorite. There are, there, there were challenging 
stages. Absolutely. But now looking back at it, it was also fun. Like when I just started teaching, I didn't know, like, I, I never student taught it in an American high school. I didn't know, like, I had an advisory period on my schedule and I was like, I called my assistant principal, I was like, uh, how do I prepare for that? How, like, what do I teach? Like, you know, you, they just come and, 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 you know, you babysit them. I was like, what? Uh, so I, I had to figure things out while I was studying for my exam to be able to pass the test because otherwise I need to get a ticket and go back to Ukraine. Mm. So, you know, so there, there were things that I think back and say, well, that was challenging and I would not have done that again. Mm. Um, but you know but that's rewarding and that's what I'm like okay I guess that's my favorite part but it's like no because I wouldn't do it again so that's not my favorite part uh, so yeah you really sound like you love your life and that's that's amazing I mean don't get me wrong there, there oh, were a lot of challenges but yes I, I, definitely I've been I've been super blessed and I mm-hmm. and I cannot complain and, and you know life has uh, has been a very um uh rewarding and uh, you know I, I just have enjoyed every step of it what would you say separates a successful person from a failure uh, not being able to dream and giving up on, on your dreams giving up that's that's a very fair answer mm-hmm. when I was teaching um, Spanish, uh, we were going, uh, every year we would learn a, a list of phrases. So one of the phrases, uh, the, the word tener, to have in Spanish, is part of also a, a different phrases, like uh, tener hambre is like to be hungry, but to have hunger in Spanish, like if you literally translate it. So one of the phrases that we learned with the kids is tener éxito, means to have success. So, and we would make a, like a, a, a picture dictionary. And normally, 99% of, uh, of the kids would put money or money sign or, uh, you know, a stack of cash or money bag instead of in, in front of this phrase. And it just, it was, to me, it was fascinating because, like, that's what um, a lot of people associate success with, with, is with money. But, you know, I don't think that people who are not wealthy are not successful. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that's one of the things that we talked earlier about, like you know, changing people's mentality about success and about achievement. You know, it's it's you know, it's nice to have money. Yeah, we have. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but also, money cannot be equated uh, to success. So, and as long as you're able to have the ability to dream, uh, and, and I know it sounds sounds cheesy. Well, you know. You have dreams and you just just follow your dreams but but it's true if you you just have this goal and you uh, just having fun pursuing this goal you you may or may not achieve it but you should have at least fun uh, doing it nobody can say it's cheesy look at you mm-hmm. you are living the thing you're saying so it it, it can't be described as cheesy in your right. presence at mm-hmm. least if, if they do they're incorrect and on that particular note uh, is there any particular plan or vision or, or of growth that's currently on the on the horizon for Igor? Uh, I don't know. I I really am having a lot of fun where I am. Uh, you know, again, 
times in education are in, in education right now are very challenging. Uh, but uh, I work with great people. We have uh, great kids, a great district, and um, I go to work with a smile every day, uh, and I enjoy every moment of it. That so, is beautiful. Uh, mm. So we'll see and see what happens. Like so far, you know, you know, I what I've talked about, uh, you know, um, in the past hour or so, I don't know, probably already two hours that we've been talking, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just, you just, you just keep enjoying the, the journey and, you know, blossom, bl blossom where you planted and, you know, amazing things happen. You're giving Dr. Tips and credits on that. <laughs> yes. For that little phrase. Uh, for there. sure. Yeah. I've always believed that, but then when he said it, I was like, yeah, that, that, that's, that's that, the one. You got this. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is great. I, so we already, Chuck and I listening to you talk, we, we know the answer to this question. But I'd like to hear your the way you say this. So what sets you apart from other people? My accent. <laughs> yes. That, yes. That, that was on the list, but it wasn't in my top yeah, five. Check that one. So, That's good. Yeah, that, that was good. That was a good answer. But seriously, though, do you see how your commitment and your dedication to your purpose sets you apart? Um, I try to see different perspectives. And I, when I interact with people and work with people and uh, either coach or learn from them, um, I take every person as as a teacher. And I know that I can learn from every person something. Uh, and I think that that approach has always helped me uh, to be compassionate and to, you know, even if I don't agree with something, I can still appreciate that point of view um, and, that, and that's, I guess, something that um, uh, has helped me, one of the factors that helped me be where, where I am and to be have the reputation uh, uh, among my coworkers and, uh, and those who know me, uh, just a, a compassionate person and, uh, uh, you know, someone who will listen and um, you know, just make the best decision that that's possible in the situation with, with the information that's out there and, and uh, for the uh, for the better of, uh, of all. So. Well, I'm going to share something with you. Uh, I, I've done a little a little questioning of other people about you and about working with you. Oh, and I've gracious. gotten a I've gotten a common threaded response okay. about Dr. G. Okay. And I hope this will please you to hear. But one of the greatest descriptors that people have used for you is that you possess the ability to show empathy. Okay. And that, to me, is one of the highest uh, human abilities. Like you, that is that is huge. So I hope you take that as a compliment. Yeah. You're, you're, it kind of matches. I'm glad because it kind of matches what I just said a minute ago. It does. <laughs> it very much does. So you're doing well. Thank you. Keep it up. The, the two phrases I, I heard was a compassionate learner, because you talked you, right before you went into some of the more uh, caring aspects of what mm -hmm. you're trying to do with not only those you're mentoring, but the students themselves, but never stop learning, never, mm -hmm. and, which is obvious. It's obvious advice coming from an educator, but what a life advice, and uh, which is really the drive behind uh, our particular uh, company 
mm-hmm. as well as what we're trying to influence with these shows because uh, we never stop reading, we never stop learning. So appreciate that about you. Yeah, thank you. Well, we are we are drawing to a close here. We've just got a few questions left, but okay. it has been a privilege thus far, and I appreciate yeah, your you perspective and your story. It. So we're going to bounce back and forth a little bit here. Okay. Uh, in your current role, you are in the second in command in the school district below the school board, right? So in that role, you deal with uh, hiring and acquisition of new talent, those types of things. Uh, Is the district that you work in currently in need of any staff? Uh, As far as I know, as of today, we we should be fully staffed. That is amazing. Unless something changed on that phone. <laughs> so <laughs> is that something in, in your industry, in the education field, in public education, is that a common theme among school districts? Are they all fully staffed right now? No, they're not. And actually, uh, the opposite of that. There's a, there's a shortage of teachers. There's a shortage of certain positions um, across the state and across the nation. Yeah. Well, typically, as a rule... Uh, people like us don't ask too many questions we don't know the answer to. Uh So I think, and this is just my opinion, that your district is a reflection of its leadership. And it it, it shows a great reflection of you guys drawing the help needed, the help wanted to you because you've built a culture inside the district that is desirable for people to work in. it's a collective, definitely a collective effort uh, under Dr. Tipton's leadership and uh, the board's leadership uh, to be where we are. And there, there were several initiatives that you know we've we've implemented in the district that have been successful and have drawn people to us and students to us. So um, I don't think any single person can take right. credit for it. It's a collective effort, uh, but you know we we have a very strong team that's um, very easy to work with uh, we we listen uh, you know we don't have to again one of the things that Dr. Tipton says we don't have to uh, be right going into the meeting as long as we are right coming out of the meeting mm-hmm. uh, so so then that, and that's the, the approach that we take and you know like I said you know I'm you know I'm, I'm uh, soaking those nuggets from from him or from anyone else that I work with and uh, and you know that's that's how we operate, and as I think it, it's reflected. It's reflected in you know people wanting to come to to our district and people wanting to stay, and uh, you know the the organization that we have created. Well, good job. Being an educator is still remains one of the aspirational professions in our and and really around the world. But we'll speak about our culture. Uh, it's still there. The the systems themselves have had struggles, and we know that for right. various reasons. But uh, just the concept of being an educator, an influencer, is if you were speaking to say someone who's looking at a career in some level of education, uh, are there some phrases of advice that you would give them as far as working on their own personal, uh, maybe their own personalities, their own perspectives, and then what they can hope look forward to bringing to the profession to make it better than it, tomorrow than it was yesterday? You have to love kids. Um, and um, it's not a eight to five job or nine to five job. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's your calling. 
it's uh, what you are, not what your job is. And when there is conflict between who you are and what you do, that's when, you know, people get burned out and they don't feel like, you know, they are being effective. But, you know, like I said, if you if you understand that, you know, it's it's your calling and you don't count hours, uh, well, I mean, we all count, count hours. We, we have to have balance. But, yes. you know, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it, just, it should be in your soul to yes. love the kids, to love the profession. We dedicate it to what you do and, and do whatever it takes uh, to, you know, uh, to be successful, um, whether it's in the classroom, teaching kids directly or helping teachers help the kids learn or uh, whatever your role is in education, but like I said, it just you know, be uh, 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 know that it's your calling and, and love the kids. That's good. That's yeah. great. So this is a question that we ask every every guest that comes on our show. Okay, and it's it's a weird question, maybe a little unorthodox, but if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self, let's even go back a little bit before. Like, let's go back to, say, 10, 12, something, maybe 15 at the latest, mm -hmm. because you grew up mentally really fast. So if you could go back to your younger self okay. and whisper in your ear and give yourself a message, what would you say? Don't doubt yourself. I love that. That's great That's advice. That's a common theme. Mm -hmm. We hear that quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Some of the highest success or highest achievers that we've had on here, that's right. that's what they would say to themselves. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. So it's uh, uh, interesting, our particular show, uh, just two guys and a few microphones, we're starting to get this very small but growing international presence and mm -hmm. it's pretty neat to see and uh, maybe after today we'll get some folks from you know ukraine who knows or at least you better get we better that's right that's <laughs> he's right. got some family back home i am i, I am a legacy we're sitting with a legacy we yeah. better so that being said okay now we better have some uh some new friends from ukraine and they're looking at you they're looking at what you've been able to accomplish uh here in the states and so uh maybe drop some advice on them as far as how they could see their possibilities well i'll go back to blossoming where you're planted um like thinking back um i think i don't know if you know I don't know if I would necessarily would have wanted to immigrate. I think, you know, knowing what I know now, uh, you know, I could have could have been successful wherever. Uh, you know, it could have been successful back back in Ukraine, and you know, uh, so it's um, yeah. I believe that's true. You could have made a difference. You could have been successful there. However, I believe your purpose brought you here. Mm -hmm. the pursuit of that purpose. And I know that you have a family that loves you and a community that appreciates you. So I'm proud to have you. Well, I'm, Not I'm, just on the show, but I mean in the community. I'm, so I'm thank you for immigrating. Here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't regret it. But like I said, you know, I, I think giving advice uh, to anyone, it, the best advice that it can be is like, you know, uh, when you find your purpose and just remember the, the primary, secondary, you know, you can achieve anything and you don't have to, 
you know, travel around the world, literally, to to feel accomplished, right. uh, to make a difference. Um, you can you can do it anywhere, right where you are. Um, That's but, profound. But it, but it yes. took me uh, many years and uh, seven thousand miles <laughs> uh, to to arrive at this conclusion, and, and you know, I don't I don't regret it a second of it. Well, thank you for that. That is that is amazingly profound advice. And it has been an honor and privilege to have you here on our show with us. And uh, as we end, is there any comments or any questions or anything you'd like to add? Well, I think we've, we've covered more than I ever thought we would. And uh, how much time have we spent? We've been a little over an hour. Okay, good. Because like I said, you know, it feels like uh, we've covered a lot of ground. And so I appreciate you guys, you know. Uh, digging deeper and uh, you know putting this message out there and hopefully if at least one person you know benefits from this uh, it'll be uh, amazing well i'm gonna bet it's gonna be a whole lot more than one okay good well again thank you everybody out there uh for participating with us uh again we've got chuck and then we've got igor and i'm robbie and thank you for making us or allowing us to become a part of your purpose